This is the Gartner Podcast for Supply Chain Leaders. Hello, and welcome to the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Caroline Chumakov, and each month we sit down with some of Gartner's best thinkers, innovators, and leaders to share with you timely strategic insights and tactical tips you need to drive supply chain success. And today, we're going to be walking through some of the key themes and priority actions from Gartner's Supply Chain Symposium keynote. In particular, I'm joined by Gartner Vice President Analyst Ken Chadwick, who recently delivered the keynote at our Orlando Symposium. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for inviting me in. It's it's, uh, great to be here, and I look forward to the discussion. It's wonderful to have you back, Ken. So the keynote very clearly nods to many of the disruptions and the risks that our listeners are no doubt familiar with, from the socioeconomic to the geopolitical to the environmental, all of which are feeling increasingly interconnected. But you point out that there is a better approach to managing all of this disruption using something called an offset strategy. Can you take a moment to walk us through the concept of an offset strategy and why this approach is needed? That's a great question, Caroline. So when we think about, in general, what's been happening over the last two, two and a half years, there's the sense that we've just been coping with what's been happening, meaning that as things happen, we deal with them. And then we might put contingency plans in place to deal with other potential disruptions. And we might put those contingency plans in play once those particular things happen. And when we think about offset strategies, what we're saying is that we want to create some unconventional strategies that allow us to apply our uh, existing strengths or strengths that we could reasonably employ to fundamentally change uh, kind of the terms of competition when it comes to some of these challenges that we're coming up against. Uh, And so in many cases, we have challenges that uh, where we're really at odds with what our strategy might be to be successful. It might feel like the ability to win is kind of stacked against us. And so for that reason, what we need is a more unconventional approach Um, And when we talk about them, we talk about them as being four things. One is that they have to be urgent, meaning this is an offset strategy around something that's immediately coming at us to either seize an opportunity or to to manage a, a challenge from accelerating change. They have to be targeted. So it has to be on one specific thing. It should be unconventional in that the solution takes what we call an opposite approach. While we might typically choose option A, we're going to think in an opposite way and think of something that's entirely different. And then they have to be actionable. So these are not contingency plans, things that we might do. These are actionable things that we begin to do now to get ahead of the change. You know, an example that we talk about is Tesla. So if you think about Tesla, when they began making cars, One of the big challenges to selling electric cars at scale is having some sort of charging network. And there's this thing called range anxiety, which is once I'm out in the world driving, am I going to be able to get back to my house? And so that limits people's thought process about whether or not they should buy an electric car. Now, the typical solutions for that, if you're a car company, might be a 
well, we have to construct longer battery life, or we need to put in place a technology that informs you of your range so you know what your outer boundaries are and tells you you got to turn around. Or you might rely on third parties, private companies, government, somebody else to put up a charging network eventually. And you're basically depending on their largesse, right? The fact that this will actually happen. But what Tesla did is they said, well, if we want to build cars at scale and there's this thing called range anxiety and people aren't quite sure how we might do this, then let's build a supercharger network that allows somebody to drive from one end of the country to the other. What was interesting about that is not only do they have 3,000 global superchargers, but those global superchargers then began to shift the way other people were thinking. And so since then, we've begun to see a proliferation of other parties, hotels, parking garages, a lot of different places who've now put up chargers because as more people buy Teslas and other electric vehicles, there's a need for those chargers. And so they really shifted, they offset that particular challenge. They decided we're going to sell cars, we need to do something. And so we need to change the terms of and conditions here. We need to do something unconventional. Uh, and it's not a conventional thing to say, hey, listen, we're going to build a vehicle and we're going to then put up our own network that allows people to charge that vehicle. But that's what they did and it helped them to be successful in a way that no other electric car company had been before then. That's great, Ken. And I love the Tesla example because I think it's a perfect way to to talk about offset strategies in that we're a, approaching a, a potential disruption, an issue or a challenge uh, by almost using our own disruptive approach, right? An unconventional approach that allows us to adapt and to thrive as a supply chain organization. Now, the keynote focuses on, on five key offset areas that are of immediate priority. But I wanna focus first on one that seems to be a, a fundamental issue for supply chain, and that's cognitive overload. Uh, we know supply chain leaders and employees are exhausted because work and roles and decisions in supply chain have become very complex. So how do we better understand and offset cognitive overload, especially as we think about all the new digital workflows that supply chain leaders are going to be implementing in the very near future? So cognitive overload is one of the first offsets that we talk about. And the reason for that is because so many of us are feeling it. And as I talk to lots of different supply chain leaders, I get different variations of the same thing. And that is they feel like they need to drive the car, navigate the car, fix the car, and engineer a new car all at the same time. And so they're in this constant mode of feeling like there's just too much going on. And when you translate that down to the employee base, you're finding employees that are not only burdened by the multiple decisions that they now need to make, but also during the pandemic and with hybrid and remote work, challenged with new and different ways in which we collaborate, challenged with how we make decisions and how we connect with each other and our managers, challenged with basically the challenge of working from home. Not all of us have closed off office spaces or places where we can work away from pets or away from kids or away from distractions. So there's a significant amount of, of cognitive overload there. And so some of the things that we want people to focus on are things like um, uh, offsetting what has become a really complex approach to responding to the pandemic. That is, 
taking the complexity of the pandemic and the decisions that we've had to made and just kind of adding more and more complexity onto it, complexity in how we make decisions and complexity of the amount of information that we collect. And instead, begin to engineer simplicity into it. Because again, what our typical might re response might be is whenever there's that level of complexity, uh, we just work harder, we dig in. We'll often, in quotes, multitask. So what we need to be able to do is release ourselves from a lot of the decisions and the focus that we have in different aspects of our work lives. One aspect of that is automation. And so there are a lot of companies that are really diving all in with automation. One of the ways that we can offset a lot of that complexity and decision-making and interactions is by automating tasks, automating decisions that are coming at us. Now that requires uh, a really unconventional way of us looking at things. What it requires is for us to begin to trust a machine, trust a machine in the information it's giving us, trust a machine in the decisions that it's making. And that's a big leap for a lot of people. So automation is one way where we can begin to take a lot of the complexity that we engineer into decision-making as humans, the interactions that we have with each other and the spreadsheets that we put together and the tools that we put together and begin to simplify and then just focus on the decisions that are most important. Above and beyond that, we need to think about just different decision-making models. And that is simply framing and shaping what a good decision model looks like. You know, when people have to make decisions, is there clarity around how they need to make decisions? And this is one of the things that we've heard um, when we did some uh, research around this is that in many cases, people aren't sure since they're out in their homes, what a good decision looks like. And so for that reason, they're willing to go through extra steps to engage other people to make those decisions which adds to the cognitive burden, adds to the complexity, because when we begin to add people, we add to the complexity of decision-making. So when we put in good decision-making models, um, that is real clarity around what your decision authority is and what the parameters are for certain decisions, that really helps people know and understand how they can make decisions and how they can make them quickly in order to move forward. And there are companies like um, Mercado Libra, who's an online auction site. And that's one of the things that they've done. They created this whole decision-making framework that really clearly makes it easy for people to understand what needs to be decided quickly and what the parameters are and what needs to be escalated and what the parameters are for that. So it releases that cognitive burden. I don't have to get lots and lots of people so it's looking at alternative strategies, things that make us uncomfortable, releasing decision-making authority to machines, releasing decision-making authority to each other, framing um, decision models. Those are not typically things that we've done in the past. Um, we've typically just collaborated, gotten together, gotten into more meetings, things like that. And that just doesn't work. Now, in, in the keynote, you also discuss issues and risks related to energy, so how climate change, war, and, and other geopolitical crises are of immediate priority to CSCOs. So why is energy instability such an important offset priority for CSCOs today? And what is the offset strategy that leaders should be using? Yeah, so... Uh... Energy instability is an interesting one. It's one of those things that I think a lot of supply chain leaders don't really consider is something that's within their control or something that they should necessarily be thinking about at scale. 
But what's interesting about uh, energy insecurity is that it's uh, it's a trend that's escalating. For example, the demand for energy is up and it's growing, right? It was up 6% in 2020 alone. And the grids themselves, power grids, um, are becoming less dependable. So in 2000, fewer than three dozen major disruptions. Um, and in 2020, there are over 180 disruptions to the energy grid. And that isn't likely to get any better. Our energy infrastructure is aging. You have other dis weather disruptions. You have cybersecurity disruptions. You have all sorts of different disruptions. When the ice storm happened in Texas, it completely crippled the state of Texas. Sink energy prices went up on the order of 10,000% during that period of time. So supply chain leaders really can't leave themselves open to that level of risk. This is not only about whether or not I can keep my facilities open and running during those kinds of disruptions, but it's also impacting my overall operational energy costs, raw material costs. It's leaving us really vulnerable to markets, not just within our network, but also upstream in our supplier networks. And it leaves us open to challenges around geopolitical events, you know, challenges around um, you know, oil markets and things like that. So what supply chain leaders need to start thinking about is how they create an offset strategy. What that offset strategy basically looks like is moving from this thing that we've become used to, which is the, uh, you know, the centralized energy management approach, this grid that we've all relied on for the last 100 plus years. And we need to move towards a more democratized integrated energy approach. And that is to say that we need to start strategizing now around how we're going to use renewables, how we're going to create microgrids, and how we might create alternative energy strategies that will both support our facilities, but also provide the ability for us to be uh, resilient during the case of any kind of energy disruption. And those strategies have a positive knock-on effect, and that is decarbonization. Because when we begin to participate in these kinds of consortiums, energy consortiums, and when we begin to engage in um, microgrids and renewable energy and things like that, it reduces our carbon footprint. And many companies have really aggressive carbon footprint goals. Uh, and so really diving into energy security as a topic is, again, not necessarily something that we would think about as, as supply chain leaders. And it's something that's coming at us. So you have a choice. Either you can create the offset strategy today and get ahead of it, have your plans in play, and ensure that you have facilities in, that are working with renewable sources and you have these partnerships in place. Or you can get caught behind when it becomes an issue, and then it's going to impact your business, your costs, uh, et cetera. And there are companies that are doing that today. Right. And so I sense that this offset strategy is clearly a necessity because we have to, as supply chain leaders, deal with energy insecurity, right, based off of how it might impact our own network and our suppliers' networks. But also it allows us to accomplish some of our sustainability objectives and goals. So perhaps there's not only risk mitigation involved in this offset strategy, but a true opportunity. Now, I, I mentioned earlier as well that the keynote covers five key offset priorities, two of which we've covered today, 
But let's assume that those priorities might change over time. So how can CSCOs go and apply this concept of an offset strategy, regardless of the issue that they see the need to offset in the future? What are some of the key steps that they should be taking? What we talk about is really a three-step process, and that is sense, shift, and steer. What we mean by that is first, you need to go out and understand the big shifts, challenges, opportunities that are out there in your industry. What might be in your way when it comes to um, deploying the kind of business strategy that you are looking to deploy over the next three to five years, or even in the next one to three years. And then when you see that, think to yourself, well, what is the typical approach that I might take to that? My approach might be um, very typical in terms of how I look at it. For example, with energy instability, I might think about how I um, look at negotiating contracts better so that I get lower costs. With decarbonization, I might look at how I buy more carbon offsets. That's only going to get you so far. So if you can sense what the opportunity is or what the issue is, then you can begin to think, well, what's the unconventional solution? We need to take the traditional response and we need to turn it on its head. Given the resources that you have, how might you apply yourself so that you can create a strategy and begin to invest now to offset that particular challenge or to grab that opportunity in the future? Again, what Tesla did is they said, well, we have an opportunity here. Our opportunity is being able to be the first at scale manufacturer of electric cars. But the challenge is we don't have a scalable grid. We have this mindset that we have to help our, our potential consumers overcome. They sensed what the challenge was and then they shifted their mindset and they said, let's invest in this, let's do it. Then you need to focus on strategies to get this stuff done. You need to be able to organize, that's the steering. Now, we're all way too bogged down today, right? There's a lot going on. I talked earlier about people feeling like they need to drive the car and navigate the car and fix the car and, and engineer a new car. So companies need to really dig in and start looking at how they organize to get these things done, meaning how will they put together different teams of people to focus on these issues? Now, what we hear from people as well, I can't sacrifice people now because everybody needs to be fighting fires. The problem is that if you're always fighting fires, you're never going to get ahead uh, in what you're trying to achieve. So we need to organize so that we have people who are then focused on executing on these offset strategies. That is putting together you know, tiger teams or innovation teams or centers of excellence, some group that is identifying this off offset and then actually charging after it, actually beginning to organize and compartmentalizing their work and getting their work done while the people who are running the business can actually continue to run and maintain the steady state of the organization. Fantastic, Ken. So CSCOs need to be able to sense a need for a new approach to shift their thinking to get ahead. And then of course, to, to steer attention and resources, including our teams, our people, to the biggest priorities that we see. It, I imagine it almost is kind of licking your finger and, and putting it in the air to test the wind and then readjusting your sails, right? Ken, right. thank you so much for joining us today and for taking us through some of the key themes from the Gartner Supply Chain Symposium keynote. This has been really enlightening. 
Listeners, if any of you were attendees of Gartner Supply Chain Symposium and you missed the keynote, you can use the link in the show notes to access the session over the next six months. Finally, if you've enjoyed our show, please be sure to go to Gartner.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened to our podcasts and give us a five-star rating as well as subscribe to make sure you're always up to date on our latest episodes. Thank you all again for tuning into the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Caroline Chumakov, and we'll see you next time. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations. 